and we're live. Hello, Purgers. Welcome Hi. back. <laughs> hey, Hi, Josh. Purge. Hi, Mars. Hello, Purge World. <laughs> How's it going? Um, I hate Southwest. Airlines. Like the entire Southwest. I was gonna say like the entire Southwest because that's tragic. No, just the just the airline company. Well, this is our plug. Southwest fix whatever is going on right now. Exactly. John, who are we? Hello, everyone. <laughs> we are the pop culture theologians. We're two um, bitter academics um, who worship at the um, altar of pop culture. And so we take a show every season and analyze it to pieces because we love it. So we belittle the things that we love. Just remember. Um, yes. And we have had a lot of fun shows, but we're back with the show that started it all. The Purge. The we Purge. Got a, we got a lot of shit to talk about. We do. Um, love The Purge. Love The Purge universe. Love Purge TV. Um, yeah, I, I love your note about like, we shit on you because we care. Uh, we are critical of the shows that we watch because we're critical of li like literally everything. Um, we scare because we care. We scare because we care. Always watching Wazowski. Um, that is like the second time I do this on this podcast, which is really embarrassing. Um, but no, like we would never dedicate the amount of time that it that goes into a podcast. Um, if we didn't love the source material, we're critical because we love it. And I mean, there is no deeper love than the love that I have for The Purge. John can attest to this, um, mm -hmm. which people think is like super weird. And I'm like, no, honestly, I could teach an entire racial equity, gender studies um, class off The Purge. I can, I could deconstruct, I like, I could decolonize the whole U.S. It, using The Purge as an example. So a lot of love for it. Um, so John, where would I find you if I wanted to look for you in the webosphere? Um, on the webosphere, you can find me at jerickson85 on Twitter. So basic, babe. Basic. So basic. And you can find me, Marcy, at I am the men who can. Uh, it is a Wonder Woman reference. Uh, my house, though we love Marvel, will be a DC house for life. So, um, and then if you want to just talk to us together, uh, we do have, uh, pop theologians. So Twitter, uh, we are at pop theologians. Um, so you could talk to the, I was about to say, it's like the Holy spirit, right? It's you, me and the Holy spirit. Um, we're always there whether you see us or not. I, I was about to do always watching again. So I caught myself. I'm not that dorky. Um, so here at the pop culture theologians, like John said, we worship at the altar of pop culture of tv of film uh but we also kind of follow politics and every week we like to highlight our what the fucks of the week to give us a sense of grounding of our place in this world as we look at pop culture through the lens of this week through the lens of today tomorrow yesterday um so john why don't you actually hand us one of the the like most like joyful best feeling what the fucks of the week in a long time um trump got booed at the world series game with the nationals and it wasn't just that he got booed because he like gets booed pretty much like everywhere but like it was a sheer fact that um they captured the moment his face realized that he was surrounded by like seventy thousand people who fucking hated him it was the same face I made when I found out priests don't have sex. 
I mean, it was crestfallen. It was something serious. It was, it was the same serious. face I made when it, when Dan and David destroyed my Daenerys. I'm still not over it. Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, yes, um, we will. For sure. But yeah, no, quite a magical week for democracy. Uh, <laughs> um, I was... I, a great I, week for democracy. A great week First for Amendment. democracy. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the um, journalists post this game were kind of wringing their, their hands like, oh my God, this isn't how Americans act. And I'm like, fuck you. This is actually how Americans act. If a fascist has indeed moved into the White House, which he has, with his fascist little family, which he has, and his robot wife, um, it is quintessentially American to be like, fuck you. Like, fuck you. Lock him up. Lock him up is also, like, is there was some chatter that, like, we shouldn't wish for our government officials to be corrupt. Then they shouldn't be corrupt. And also, lock him up is a direct response to his own egging on of Hillary Clinton with lock her up. Um, so a magical... This is funny because most of his people have been locked up. Agreed. Um, but, yeah, no, I would just say it was kind of, like, kind of a, a poignant moment that that I think was a rally cry because no pun intended his rallies are such censored spaces that and i think his handlers have him so surrounded by yes people um that it i think we really did see honest like dismay at the situation like i don't think like there is no version of donald trump that puts himself in a position to be ridiculed so I think that 100% that was not anticipated, which like his handlers are dumbasses, but, um, but very, very interesting. And also like that type of rebellion, even though it seems like small, is the stepping stones to like, we do eventually need to storm Versailles. Like Donald Trump is not going to like easily leave office. And this is not a prediction. Like I'm just saying like, I've watched this movie before that we are unfortunately in, and it does lead to Marius and Cosette singing, Do You Hear the People Sing? So, very good week. Uh, annoyed with the journalists who were like, Oh my God, is this who we are? I'm like, I, Are we fascists? Because if not, then. Shills. Like, Those people yeah. are shills. I was like, What the? F- what is happening? What is, like, this, Fuck what them. Is, what is with this hand wringing? So. Yeah, so, yeah. That, that Mika lady from MSNBC and Joe's, whatever. I like, don't trust anyone named Mika. Well, they were partying with Donald Trump before the New Hampshire primary. I agree, yeah, so, I like, saw that. So, like, go fuck yourselves with your civility. I just, civility to me means nothing if my human rights or the rights of others are violated. So, like, asking me to be civil is oppression in the face of my own oppression. And that's just how I feel about it. So, and that's actually not how I feel about it. That's the truth. So if you don't like it, then you don't like the truth. Um, So other what the fucks of the week. This one is, um, so if you listen to our sister podcast, The Bible Bitches, um, Sarah Hoff was the first person to introduce me to this word, uh, which I'm going to mispronounce. And it'll be fine because I didn't speak English till I was five. Schroedenfreud. the, a massive sense of schadenfreude, which is kind of like, oh, look at this karm- karmic soup you are drinking right now. Um, so Beninoff and Weiss, the showrunners for Game of Thrones this week. Rest uh, in peace. 
<laughs> may they rest in peace, have had quite an interesting week. Everyone who listens to us beyond the Purge universe, we do cover other shows. Uh, pretty soon we will be covering two at a time, which is going to be very interesting. Um, know pray that for we, us. Pray for us. Um, know that we covered Game of Thrones very passionately for the last season. We have been, we are fans of the source material. We were fans of the show. Um, but there was a very sour note left in our mouths with the final season. And, um, and I, I think no one listening, if you're, if you're listening to a podcast about the purge, you are 100% plugged into what people are watching on TV. Um, but you know, I feel like there was a lot of criticism of the fans when the fans were like, this was a really disrespectful season to the material. And, um, Ben and Off and Weiss had kind of been like, we really rushed through it. And like, they did actually cut episodes from each season of the last two seasons so that they could go do Star Wars. But even George R. R. Martin had been like, the Game of Thrones fans are the worst. Like there was no way to please them. Um, to which I say, hey, George, just finish the fucking books. Hey, how about uh, you like do that one book? How about you just no. do the, the two things you need to do? Like, uh, but I remember feeling kind of shitty about it because aside from Harry Potter, Game of Thrones is the longest relationship um, I've had with a book uh, series that just hasn't finished. And so that's emotionally and sexually. I know. I know. Um, so again, Ben and Off and Weiss, they were in Austin at a film panel and decided to out themselves as like utter like shitheads. Like, I mean, literally everything from like, we have never directed anything we've never done anything um no idea how we got this job my dad worked at goldman sachs i don't know um to like we didn't hire any writers we just asked our assistant to write much love to um to brian kugman he's actually the best writer of the three i'm not shitting on him as a writer but i'm saying like there are so many writers in hollywood who would give their left arm for a chance and like to have been like we didn't want to let writers in because like we didn't even want to go through the process and like you know, like if we didn't understand something, we just cut it. And like, we just let the actors like do whatever they want. And we took all the magic out. And, um, it was like a really weird film school for us, but now we're going to Star Wars. Um, right. And then, uh, yesterday Star Wars announced that, uh, I will say that Ben and Off and Weiss announced that they were stepping away from Star Wars yesterday. Um, but I'm just going to say that I don't know any dudes that would step away from star wars i don't know any women who would step away from star wars i don't think you step away from star wars that's like i think we can like all collectively agree men women like no one steps away from from tom tom hardy right like it's just like a collective collective like no one steps away from it that is star wars so my guess is i know plenty of women that would like to take over oh a hundred percent a hundred percent. And if apparently you need no experience to direct the most expensive pilot in history, it was a hundred million dollars that apparently was handed to two dudes who were like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done any of this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited that Star Wars was taken back and I don't feel like a shitty fan for saying that. Um, I love my source material. I love the actors, the crew the cast of game of thrones i thought they got fucked over by two douchebags and it feels like it's been confirmed and then my other favorite universe is now protected from them and like that's just how i feel about it and i know some people are like everyone's so hard on them i'm like no honest to god like that's just like i'm not gonna make apologies for people falling upward the work of hundreds of people and amazing actors amazing crew amazing set production everything 
built up Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones has not been enough on Weiss. And like, if you're going to openly say like, yeah, like the show survived in spite of us, then don't criticize me for saying the show survived in spite of you. Um, so it felt short and Freudy, and it's very nice to know that Star Wars will land in someone else's hands um, because we Hopefully know I love me woman. Some Star Wars. I would love for a female director to get some Star Wars. So, And then our final what the fuck of the week actually connects to Game of Thrones. Um, are you excited? I, I'm, I'm really happy. So there were two prequels to Game of Thrones that were being spun at HBO. One that was uh, starring Naomi Watts um, that was supposed to look at kind of like ancient, ancient Valeria and the origins of the White Walkers. Um, Sadly, that has been canceled. Um, I say sadly as if I cared because I don't. Uh, The only story worth telling right now is that of the Targaryens, which is the uh, pilot that has been ordered to series. So Fire and Blood um the book that came out this this year from George R. R. Martin that covers like the entire Targaryen history will be adapted into a series by HBO. Um I'm excited. I mean Benedoff and Weiss love to talk about how the reason they took so much of the magic out was that it was expensive. Um always a nod to the dragons in particular. So I'm interested to see how you do the dance of dragons and the rise of dragons um well, right? If we already know um, that HBO found the dragons to be prob- problematic. But am I burned from like season seven, eight? Was it seven or eight? Seven. Eight. Eight, season eight. Yes. Um, but like any Khaleesi, I rise from the flames. Super excited uh, to have another show because as much as I like to shit on George R. R. Martin, um, the source material is so rich and beautiful. And Fire and Blood is done. It is like, like there is um, there are a million stories to pull from it. So he's really. writing another version, though. He's writing another one. <laughs> anything That's to not I mean. anything to not write the Winds of Winter, right? Yeah. Like anything. Yeah. To Plus, not then the I, Dreams of Spring, mind you. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, look, I feel like my like I feel like I've already grieved never getting an end to a Song of Ice and Fire, like. If by chance he surprises me in this life and, and does put out the two books, I honestly, at this point, it would be a huge surprise. Like, I've already mourned them more than I've mourned, like, ex-boyfriends. Like, I'm just like, it's just not going to happen. Like, I will die not really. Here's the tragic part, and this will be the final piece of shade. I will die with Benanoff and Weiss's ending. And, like, I feel like that's tragic. It's tragic. It's very sad. So... Moving on, John, are you purging Southwest Airlines for the week? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to purge the really drunk girl. We do purge of the week, y'all. The really drunk girl at the live Rocky Horror Picture Show that I went to in Miami Beach this week, who behind us, very drunkenly, lets us all know that her boyfriend just dumped her in the bathroom and made it evident why for the next two and a half hours. I don't know your name, girl but I know why he broke up with you. And I just, <laughs> I like. That was shade. Oh my God. I honest to God, so much love to my brother and Brent because the three of us were like, what is, how did, how did anyone even end up? <laughs> this woman was um, one of those like narrators to Rocky Horror, which is just not my favorite thing. Like I've seen, like 
you don't need to tell me that, um, you know, Frankenfurter walked in. Like you don't need to, like, I just, it's not my thing. I don't love it. So moving on to the purge, John. Are you ready to purge? I'm ready. John, so this week's episode is called Blind Spots. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we should end this episode with like which blind spots we think the show's talking about. Because I think this episode was really good. It was. I I will admit for the listeners when we talk about college fuckboy number two or whatever his name is, like Cameron. I am not here for that storyline. I'm not even really oh, following ben. it. And like, I mean, I follow like him talking to his girlfriend. I also think the show's gotten super gory. Like when he was, we'll get there, but when he we'll does, he does, but I'm not here for certain parts of his storyline. And this episode, you, I just fast forward through. So we'll talk about it. Cause I think you and I read that this upcoming scene with Ben um, very differently. So that will make for an interesting talk. But before we jump to Ben, why don't we start off with Tommy? Tommy. So Tommy is our robber. Robber is such an unsexy, because I keep thinking I'm saying rubber, um, which condoms are sexy, but the word rubber is not. Um, is there an, like the thief? I don't know. <laughs> uh, one of our Robin Hooders. Uh, the man who just didn't realize to pick up his feet. Agreed. So Tommy, who is from this crew of bank robbers, the one who got caught going back for money, He's in a detention center and it was made clear last week, but like it was much clearer this week. No matter what their crime is, people who are incarcerated are purged on purge night. And like, I keep going through that in my head and like, it is so poignant to how like fucked up our justice system is that like, I'm still kind of in awe that the purge was like, this is exactly what the federal government would do. And yeah. like, and I don't say that, like, I say that out of admiration that any show would be like, if the government could purge people for petty crimes and just get rid of them, they would. And then they would collect more people throughout the year and then purge them in the next, like, it would be an, like an ongoing cycle. And so I, I'm just like very impressed with kind of how they're building this out. Um, Cause the way I understand it, and John, you tell me, it means that any crime that you commit and you're put in jail for, if you are in jail on purge night, you're getting killed. Uh, the government it seems like right. it. Yeah, the government has the right to do it. And what that means for new America, the new founding fathers, is um, that it's, injustice hasn't gone away. We know that from the the riches of like stance and security system um that means that it's only people who can afford representation and who can be represented fairly um and by fairly i mean through the white justice system that don't end up in jail which means what we've got is a criminal system that is penalizing people who cannot afford representation and who would be penalized with harsher um sentencing right and we know that to be true for people who are black or brown right so um so i just i think it's really bold for the purge to be like the only people surviving the purge are rich white people because even if you do everything right like even if you do everything right we know that with like marcus 
you're still going to get a hit on your head. But if you just like steal a piece of bread for your family, they're going to purge you the way that like they would like electrocute a serial killer. So really interesting stuff there. Um, Cause I keep thinking Tommy didn't hurt anyone on purge night. Right. Um, but his punishment is worse than like purging. Yeah. Right. So yeah. And then we get this flashback to the fact this didn't surprise me. Did it surprise you that Ryan, Tommy and the crew were, are all cops? No. I was like, I mean, of course they're cops. Um, and then I was like, would cops have insider knowledge to be able to pull off heists like this? Probably. I kind of think so. And then we get in this like flashback that Ryan, Tommy and the crew at one point tried to stop like a really bad like drug dealer and it didn't go well because the cops were crooked. Um, and then that's kind of why they do what they do now. Right. Um, and like, I was thinking about like, obviously like the show is talking about inequality and like we, you, you and I talked about this, that we had never considered that we'd purge and purge, um, until we were presented with the idea of purging for money. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, wait, I wouldn't purge a human, but I'd rob the shit out of a bank. Right. And like with the show, with this storyline, we've got Tommy with his wife and kid, Ryan with his notebook mom, uh, the other robbers with their mortgage. Right. Um, so it seems like the show is, is testing its viewers to really think about like the reasons why a purge cycle would happen um which i think is interesting well and also like how far everyone's willing to grow go right you know really take care of the issues that are facing them right right um and it makes it even grosser when like families like we saw in the first season would host these purge parties because they don't have to right like you don't like it, it kind of it makes it into kind of like a like a feast of like horrors to watch people purge who who don't have to purge to survive mm-hmm. so yeah it, it's interesting and then um we have esme our cctv watching de- detective um who is technically tasked with finding Ryan and the crew, right? Yeah. It's a little interesting because like she basically becomes like this cop or like detective or something. Well, and then that to me shows me that cops are not the same thing as NFFA. Exactly. Like the NFFA are above them and you see that with her reaction. Right. Um, so, but she she ends up at the same bar as them, listening to the robbers kind of talk about like what they've found out, which like what Ryan has found out is that the banks are moving money offshore during purge night, um, which we talked about last week. I'm still which we confused. said, yeah. I, and I'm still confused why I'm supposed to find that surprising unless it is illegal. So like, I like it's not illegal to fly out of the country for purge night. Um, that we know of because i think there was some suggestions of it last season um so i don't know why it would be illegal to move your money offshore for the night yeah because remember um the woman like flew to paris Paris. yeah Yeah. so so i maybe it's that's the one day you can't travel out of the country i don't i don't know um 
by like they're angry that apparently banks are moving money so that's why they're not getting as big of robs what is robs is not the word that's a kardashian um, <laughs> uh hauls from their their um shenanigans yeah um but esme is kind of listening in on this so we've got ryan and esme intersecting because technically esme is hunting ryan ryan's like i think you're a narc she does not out herself as nffa which i thought was like weird because i think she thinks ryan and her and his crew have something to do with the professor that's missing yeah right is that how you got it yeah a little bit yeah yeah so so it's interesting like i actually am much more interested in tommy than i am ryan oh really yeah and i think i think it's because the tommy storyline i think is the inequality um injustice portion that i really like pulling that thread at whereas ryan is kind of like you know like every man for himself at the purge while still maintaining integrity. And, um, and I, I, I guess I'm more drawn to the folks who like, there is a privilege in being able to rob, like he's a cop, which I think does help him be able to pull off what he pulls off. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you have that insider knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And again, so did Tommy and Tommy fucked up, but Tommy's who I'm interested in following right now. Like if we were in a, um, choose your own adventure story. I choose Tommy right mm, now. You choose Tommy. I would choose Tommy, <laughs> even though Ryan is a daddy, and you have said that. <laughs> yeah, cop daddy. Cop daddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, of our other, so that's really all we get from Esme this episode. Um, there wasn't huge, huge development with her. Um, but I think, um. I think we're supposed to interpret that Esme and Ryan are going to be at each other's like throats. I obviously think they're going to end up on the same side. So yeah. Um, yeah. Or else she would have been like, I'm NFFA, you're under arrest. And I don't even understand why they would be under arrest because the only one who broke the law was Tommy. So if like, she's going to spend all year tracking these like bank robbers so they don't do it again. I don't think that's in the spirit of the purge. But that, but I, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I don't think so. Moving on to frat boy Ben. Ugh. We haven't seen frat boy Cameron, who's the one who left Ben behind. He's probably so this, dead. I, I know. Uh, so you did not like the storyline. I just, I get the PTSD, but like, there's some like, girl, just because you were locked in a room to die, like that doesn't. Something else was there before. Right. And um, and we talked about this in the last episode. I would appreciate a backstory that shows me that Ben was fucked up before this. Yeah. It's a trigger. Because if not, it's hard to suspend belief. And it's I will, hard to believe him. Yeah. And I will make room that I'm sure Dr. Um, what is it? Dr. Adams? Williams, yeah. <laughs> that the professor's um research has something to do with this so i could be entirely wrong that like there's something in the water they're adding hormones they're adding pheromones i don't know a, a bunch of moans uh to the water there's <laughs> moans everywhere there's moans everywhere um but the idea of nature versus versus nurture that like that we talked about last week like honest to god just give me a time like show me anything from his childhood that could precipitate 
one murder turning him into a serial murderer um because i'm kind i'm kind of waiting for it because all he did was defend himself from dying yeah so like why are you like so like are you really into like self-defense bro because like that's really (laughs) what it was right defending himself leads to him putting on the not metaphorical the real god mask right and um and I wonder if, to a certain extent, like, this is kind of critiquing the idea that, like, man is so afraid of himself that he builds up an image of God in his own image, right? Um, and this might be more theological than we usually get, but, like, which, which is because we are far removed from our theological training at this point. Um, but I think there's something to be said about the fact that, like, the god mask is a very intentional decision by the creators of the purge universe to critique the folks who put it on yeah right and and like obviously ben is struggling and he goes to this like off the radar place where people like him which lets us know there's more people like him john because if if not you wouldn't need a place like the place that he goes to right um so he goes to like a secret slaughterhouse um where people can pay to like slaughter a calf which again that's religious symbolism as well um to get their purging out in between purges and it is clearly illegal to do this or it wouldn't be some off the radar place right um but this doesn't go the way you think i did this didn't go the way i thought it would go oh with, with the cow and everything yeah yeah i um for the listeners sake i did not watch it i fast forwarded it i thought i saw the writing on the wall clearly i was wrong yeah um but i'm just really not here for um the killing of animals so he doesn't kill the cow yeah i actually think that and the cow is a religious symbol i mean we can we don't have to yeah, break that down said, but yeah like, that's what i said i was like there's there's symbolism to a calf at an altar right, at the altar of violence, and the fact that this young man cannot sacrifice the calf. Um, And I think, again, I think this ties in with the professor's um, work, which is that the NFFA, the purge, is changing humans fundamentally in a certain part of their brain towards violence, but we instinctually as humans, like, it's it's actually very hard for regular humans... Mm-hmm. to inflict pain on less um like on more vulnerable creatures than themselves unless it's out of need so like it there's a reason animals look cute to us or beautiful there's a reason children are so adorable and it's because our brain is literally saying don't kill it so the fact that that part of his brain is still fucking fine and his brain was like, we are not going to fucking kill this baby cow that can play soccer because YouTube it, cows can play soccer. It is so cute. Um, I think it's saying that like whatever broke in Ben is not all of Ben. It's like a very specific nuanced, I need to kill humans. So like he views humans as equals not, and not vulnerable and maybe with some hatred because and it it could come from I don't know the the pheromones moans in the water of some sort uh, which is just a convoluted theory or it could be that he's angry at humanity for having turned him into a monster I don't know 
Um, but I do think it's, it's very important that he wasn't able to kill the calf. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean he can't kill. Cause he clearly does. We go to the fruit stand and what happens? Uh, he just wants to have some strawberries. He tries to, um, basically his girlfriend said strawberries are like some natural aphrodisiac to make you feel better. Have you? I don't know. No. I thought it was oysters. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Um, And basically, he's like, oh, I just got done not being able to kill a cow. So, like, I'm going to stop at this stand. Oh, my God, strawberries? No way. And then he asks, like, this guy, he's like, I'll take, like, five strawberries or whatever. And then he's, like, gets mad over money because he's, like, said he gave the guy a 20. And he's, like, no, you gave me a 10 because he gave him $5 back. And then, basically, this sets him off. He, like, cuts the guy. The guy runs away. And then Ben just, like, follows him and, like, kills the sh out of him. I mean, it, I will agree with you that I was kind of taken aback by these stabbing noises. I'm, I am not particularly, um, I mean, I watch horror all the time because I'm a whore. Um, <laughs> sorry, but um, I th- that doesn't. I don't like torture porn, but it doesn't affect me. Um, but your reaction to it, I think, is kind of talking to like the point the show's making, which is it is not normal to view t- this type of violence and not break and not like be like i don't want to fucking see this right um so yeah like um like interesting that like he like literally instinctually has no remorse about killing a human none like none and we get more reaffirmment of that when he leaves his uh his first post purge kill behind um the fruit stand man and goes to his girlfriend Mm-hmm. and like his girlfriend like looks he looks like he just killed a guy right um and she's like well i feel like you haven't been okay since the purge but like you you needed to purge right like and he says yes and she goes well you're still a good person like you just did what you needed to do on purge night and like, i'm like what mm-hmm. girl girl she's she she cray she's like she's like the a, a dead walking like um yeah, she's definitely gonna die and i asked this on twitter of of purge tv and fans i was like how long did it take for this to be normalized right how long did it take for the idea of purging to just be normal um and then actually thanks to at purge tv they tweeted out um some interesting facts like episode four is going to deal with remembrance day the day after the purge where you remember everyone who was purged which means like there's been all tons of ritual and adaptation from the beginning of the purge which you know we was the fourth film to present day where a girl's like baby but you needed a purge but you're a good person all i hear is snooki saying i'm a good person yeah but i'm like a good person i'm like a good person um and she like gets in bed with him and like wants to have sex with him. And I'm like, he's literally just said he totally needed to kill someone. And like, you're just like, okay, I'll jump in bed with you. Um, and then she's like surprised when he gets um, limp dick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, you're not as exciting as killing. But can we talk about Radio Man for a second? Yes. Radio Man is back. 
So Radio Man is back. So Radio Man um, was like a big role in the first season of The Purge. And like, it's kind of what we call, um, who's that racist, homophobic, like addicted to pills, radio TV show person in real life? Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. So we call this. (laughs) Purge Rush Limbaugh. We call this man Purge Rush Limbaugh. And before Ben goes cuckoo on the fruit stand, man, he's listening to Purge he Rush is. Limbaugh. Thanks for bringing that up. And he, and Purge Rush Limbaugh's like, you just need to feel the urge to purge. There's nothing wrong. I mean, what do they expect you to do? I mean, it's all weird. But yeah, is I that really your was porn glad voice? he's back. Yeah, that's my porn voice. <laughs> you need more strawberries, bro. <laughs> Aphrodisiac. It is interesting to to have our purge Rush Limbaugh back um, because that's critiquing the power of media and violence, right? Like, I'm not saying that like Rush Lim that purge Rush Limbaugh encouraged Ben to kill the fruit stand man, but I'm not not saying that. Yeah, I'm saying it like didn't ha- it didn't help. It didn't help the situation. Um, so yeah, th- thanks for bringing that up. Interest like interesting, interesting. Um, I think his, uh, his inability to perform sexually, um, again, a bold move for a show that, um, I always think we're not the natural audience for this show, right? So when I feel like the show is doing a nod to like some third wave feminists out in the middle of nowhere, um, it's always interesting. And the fact is by him not being able to perform sexually, it is, tackling like how masculinity is is perpetuated in this nffa world right and that like even above sex the pure power is of killing supersedes all pleasure now right and we talk a lot about deconstructing like patriarchal structures the top of a patriarchal structure believe it or not is not maleness it's power which is why some women can enforce patriarchal structures Mm -hmm. because they have power Right. I'm now thinking of succession and like all the women who almost got there. Um, Every white woman who voted for Trump. Agreed. Agreed. Um, So it's interesting to watch the show be like um, him enjoying sex is null and void now compared to this new high that is a higher high for this young white cisgendered dude who's like on a power trip even if it's even if by no fault of his own um which i think is also an interesting critique of patriarchy which is a lot of people end up in these perpetuating roles of oppressor not not because of decisions they made but because that's just where they end up and it would take a very conscious decision to stop it like i think for ben a conscious decision might be to get a therapist mm-hmm. um but i don't oh, see that fund you mean kanye Oh God, don't. Moving on. <laughs> right. Speaking uh, of a person who has issues with his own masculinity and other issues. <laughs> I, I think his God complex is what I'd like to focus on now since I heard he is asking for tithing. Um, uh, so I think we're weeks away from, from Kanye asking for, what is it, 501c3 status? Uh, yeah, so... Interesting. Uh, one final note on the Ben storyline um, that I think is is important is that I feel like the showrunners, again, you guys are brave little fuckers. I'm so proud of you. Um, that the NFFAs view 
um, that the way that they view the U.S. is kind of like a slaughterhouse, and they are there to slaughter innocents for their own gain. Yep. Right. And um, that is why the calf symbolism is important, not just because there's biblical symbolism there, but because something in Ben didn't let him act the way the founding fathers at NFFA thinks he should act. So I don't think he's fully broken. Um, but the NFFA is because humans are the cows in the slaughterhouse for the new founding fathers. So, no. John, um, I tweeted you accidentally before you had watched the episode that you might have been right. Um, you, usually, I mean, it happens a lot. You weren't, but you were for a hot second. <laughs> I still think I'm and right. You still could be. I still um, think I'm right. So, John, last episode, we're moving on to. Um, to Marcus, which is the really only good storyline. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really digging. I'm really digging the interweaving of Ben, Tommy, and Marcus. Yeah, they're all. Yeah, they're all there. You're probably gonna find out like Marcus is like his grandson or something. I mean, I don't know. His grandson. <laughs> Marcus just keeps getting younger. Um, so Marcus has a detective. Um, trying to figure out who tried to put the hit on him. And tried's not the right word. The hit is still open. Um, and the investigator pretty much says, I mean, dude, like 90% of the times it's the wife and you've got two of them. Not like Mormon too. He's got an ex-wife and his current wife, right? Yes. Right. And so um, Marcus like decides to follow Michelle, his current wife, um, and she's acting all like shifty and apparently her pings on her phone aren't matching up. And I'm like, are we having conversations about Adnan's cell phone pings? Cause that's what it feels like we're doing. Um, all of a sudden it became really popular to talk about cell phone towers and pings after serial season one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Marcus follows her and where is she, John? Um, she's at a grief group. I know. I thought it was sad. You think it might be play acting. I think it's play acting. I think she's full of shit. I think she definitely tried to purge him. I will say her little speech about feeling lost in the relationship felt like something I would say if I thought my husband who I had tried to purge was listening. Because we don't see anyone else in the purge group, do we? Not anyone I recognized. I remember looking, I, I think I actually paused the screen to see if I recognized anyone, like if anyone from like last season was in there and no. Um, but I think, for, I think um, for me, I have questions about his first wife. Like, who is she? At what age did they meet? Cause it was clearly when they were both 12 because his son is like 20 and so is he. Um, but I mean, I think you, you're right. Like she's still on the list of folks who could do it. Yeah, some. I mean, uh, something just doesn't smell right. Well, talking about things that aren't right, and then so he figures this out and he puts on his his Beats by Dre and goes running. And then no, I- he, no, he first tries to be a loving husband. Oh, right, 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 right. Walk me through it. Walk me through it. So you know, he feels real bad that basically he thought his wife was trying to kill him. His this is how wife. much I block out husbands trying to make up for being shot. and. <laughs> He basically is like, oh, that was wrong. So he comes back and he cooks her a nice dinner. And, you know, I'm sure they got their groove thing on, but like, that's basically it. Right. And again, like, 
there I think there would be something very purgy if both of them are bad like if if she's trying to kill him but also like I'm not sure Marcus is a hero in this story yet I I I tweeted that I think he's just a really bad doctor (laughs) dude it's just a hit because you killed my mom like no I I don't people would do that 100 percent a hundred percent. If someone I loved died in surgery or you didn't pay attention to them in an ER, I would totally put, no, I wouldn't, John. Oh my God. I might be a good person. I'm like Snooky. I'm a good person. I don't know. I don't, I feel like the people I would put a hit on, I wouldn't, I would just do it myself. If I hated someone enough, I would just do it myself. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, is, does that mean I'm really thrifty? Probably. <laughs> I don't pay $75,000 for someone to kill someone I hate. Who has $75,000? I'll do it myself and keep the $75,000. Um, but like uh, after this like romantic night, uh, Marcus goes running with his Beats by Dre and then mm-hmm. um, almost gets killed. Like a car like tries to take him out. Okay, and, yeah. and end scene. End episode. And I'm kind of like, dude, you two days ago, found out that like someone has $75,000 on your head and you run with earphones on in I'm a like, field no one has a hit on my life and I don't run with earphones on because in I a don't field run. in a field but like I, legit like by himself no one running around you I'm like come on Marcus Marcus you're a doctor maybe you are a dumb doctor <laughs> maybe it is like I was just like I was I was like looking at not like screaming at my screen but I'm like dude like again the privilege of being a man you guys aren't afraid outside but like the couple times I have gone to walk my dog out like by myself like because I like I like I would never put earphones on that's how you get snatched <laughs> like um which I guess is like my deepest fear is being snatched ever since I started listening to murder podcasts. I'm like, it's like a 10 second between you living and dying when someone grabs you or tries to kill you. Yeah. So, so I was like, come on, Marcus, come on. (laughs) But it doesn't surprise me that a dude wouldn't think twice about it because you guys are safe. Um, (laughs) You guys don't have to, men primarily do not get snatched while walking their dogs or walking to their car or going home or not going home because women are never safe um but that's kind of, yeah that is end scene end of the episode i thought it was a great episode if we're looking at blind spots i think clearly <laughs> marcus's inability to to process his own like awareness is a blind spot right yeah. And I also think his wife is a blind spot. Mm. I will give you that. I also think with Marcus, he is still like maybe reeling with some type of trauma that people want him dead. Right. Right. And I think he very badly wanted to believe it wasn't his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, I, I still think the nurse acted super shifty in the last episode when she was like, what did he say? What did he do? Like, what did you hear? And like, I was like, whoa. Oh my God, I just called her a nurse again. John. Internalized sexism. It is internalized sexism. The doctor. Um, You can't tell with scrubs anymore. You just can't tell. Um, So so yeah, blind blind spot for Ben is clearly that there is still some code by which he is living. 
Like, and we need to figure out what that is. Esme's blind spot is clearly that she's not doing her job. Well, that's her blind spot is the actual NFFA. I would say the NFFA, like as, as a woman, that's your blind spot. Like, why are you working for the NFFA? Like, they're going to do something to her because she's, they're going to find out she's using their resources. Agreed. I completely agree. Um, and I wonder if, like, she thinks, because, like, I feel like we've gotten a sense that Esme thinks of herself as someone doing good work inside the system. Mm-hmm. And there's no good work to be done inside oppressive systems. Sorry. Um, we, I, I got into this fight often in grad school when people were like, I stay in the Catholic church so I can change it. And I was like, you stay because you're comfortable and not oppressed. So that's, that's literally me throwing the brick at you. Like, but that's how I feel about it. Like, if you are privileged enough to work for the NFFA, then you are part of an oppressive system. Uh, if you are privileged enough to sit in a seat on Sunday at a Catholic church, then you're not oppressed by the Catholic church. So mm-hmm. That's my that's that's my beef from grad school that I still hold on to. And scene. And scene. So I thought this was a great episode. Yeah, it's getting better. I thought it was great. I think um I think the weaving of the stories is interesting. I think it's good to put Esme with Ryan and 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 the robbers, um, because now that will merge two storylines. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Marcus will come into play when we figure out where his son Dylan and the professor fall into play. Look, the season is definitely better than the first season in some ways already. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. Me too. So we will see you all next week. Next week? Where will you be next week? LA? I have no idea. I will be in Cleveland, (laughs) y'all. And with that, she may be purged. (laughs) Happy purging, everyone. Happy purging.